Happy Monday, one and all. January 8th, 2024. We are one week away from the Iowa caucuses. Today is back to work day, the end of the hybrid kind of arrangement they had at General Motors. You may see some increased traffic volumes around the tech center and around the Ren Sen, and we'll see how that But it's a good day. Out. It is a good day. victory it's a Monday. Good day. Last night was the Golden Globes, and I guarantee Woo-hoo! you not one of those creative minds could have scripted anything as good as we have today. Act one of the blockbuster begins tonight. <laughs> At first, I didn't think I wanted this matchup, but then I saw a, a meme online to Adele's hello from the other side with the two quarterbacks facing <laughs> each other, and now I'm all in. Let's go. Yeah. It's so exciting. As Dan Campbell says, winners win. So they went out, handled their business, beat the Vikings for the second time in three weeks, 30 to 20. Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs scored first quarter touchdowns. Hutch had two sacks. Lions intercepted Nick Mullins there at the end. Of course, Laporta is the concern. He left the game after he hyperextended his knee, suffered a bone bruise. This is moments after he set the NFL record for receptions by a rookie tight end. So they may not have him moving forward. But overall, yesterday was amazing. Let's hear from Dan Campbell in the locker room. We have been hardened by adversity. All right, we've been battle-tested. Great job. We're hardened and ready to go, man. We're ready. All right, ready now. Hardened, ready. And I want you to play the other bite because I like what he said in the second one, too. This team's ready. They've been through it all. And... uh they're battle tested. They're scarred to perfection, and um, and we will be ready. Scarred Scar to perfection. So he feels like they they've been cooking all regular season, and they are ready for this challenge. First playoff game coming up in Ford Field against Matthew Stafford, who knows the place. Oh my! God. Unbelievable. You, you could have scripted this. No, Matt no. Stafford returning home. I, I got to tell you, um, I, what he said about Laporta, and I mean, this was our worst nightmare, right? That one of our big guys would go down. Yeah. But he said, it isn't as bad as it looked, but, but it is bad good. news. And we'll find yeah. out today whether it's a hyperextension and a bone bruise or exactly what it is. Right. It's not great, but I he would have played anyway. Even if you sat a lot of people, mm-hmm. I believe this rookie would have played anyway. These guys need their reps or what have you. So it's just unfortunate that it happened. Yeah. But. Here we go. All right. Meantime, Rams. tonight, the main event. Wow. University of Michigan, Washington today. Denny, I turned on uh, MSNBC at, at 5 a.m. Denny Savalas is in there. He's their legal guy. He's talking about the Trump uh, Supreme Court arguments, and he's wearing a U of M hoodie. I mean, all of a sudden, you start to see these media people out. with these, these, these <laughs> yeah. uh, closet Wolverines fans yeah. coming out everywhere. Well, and people who graduate from Michigan get great jobs. They do great things in the community. And now they're so proud that their team is yeah. playing. It's the winningest program against one of the West original programs. Michigan against Washington, both undefeated, meeting for the national championship. Who has it better than Michigan? We'll see after this game. Um Jim Harbaugh was asked a lot at Media Day about, you know, what if he leaves for the NFL? What will he say to his team? He flipped it and said, this is what I'll say to them before the game. My message to our guys is going to be play as hard as you can, as fast as you can, as long as you can, and don't worry, and and just go have at it. And he talked about what a national championship would mean to everybody else, to the family, to the friends, to the players who vowed to come back and say it's national championship or bust. Blake Corum returning from injury. McCarthy returning. Yeah. They have like 44 seniors, something like that. It's And you don't see that in college football. People are transferring and going. But this team is together. and I think they're going to do it tonight. He's king of the non-answers. 
Of course. Um, you oh, know, yeah. But so the, 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 you hear a lot of headlines right now, Jamie, saying, well, this game will determine Jim Harbaugh's future. Does it or is now the consensus opinion that he's already gone? Not what I've heard. Not that he's necessarily gone, but whether he wins or loses, he will uh, take a look at his opportunities and decide what he wants to do if if he's a national champion or not. And there'll be several opportunities out there. Yeah. And they'll be backing up the Brinks truck. Me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> meantime, meantime, one of the happiest guys is Mike Tirico. He gets to stay in his own bed next Sunday night, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. The yeah. Lions are prime time. He's covering it with Collingsworth, and he can go home that and sleep That guy in his is the bed. hardest working guy in he broadcast. Is. He is all over yeah. the place, does the Olympics, everything else. So I'm sure he'll be happy to have his own sheets, <laughs> his own bed. And he gets to tell one of the best stories in, in, in sports right now is this matchup between Stafford that's and That's why Bob. they were picked for Sunday night. This is the yeah. best wild card game. Political drama on the Republican front. We knew that there was going to be this big Saturday meeting. Um, 45 state committee reps getting together. What happened? Yeah, well, Michigan Republicans have voted to remove state GOP chairwoman Christina Caramo during a meeting Saturday after many of the party's leaders called for her resignation following a year of leadership plagued by debt and infighting. A large majority of those present voted to kick her out. Caramo was not at the meeting and had made it clear before the meeting that she would not recognize the vote if she was removed. She says the meeting was not official and had been illegally organized. Now, this could set the stage for a court fight to determine control of the highest position within the Michigan GOP. Michigan is among several swing states where parties overtaken by far-right leadership have struggled to overcome infighting and money issues. Similar situations have unfolded in Georgia and Arizona, which pose a significant issue in the 2024 presidential election, where those states are poised to play pivotal roles. Now, about a dozen supporters of Caramo gathered Saturday afternoon outside the uh, small building in Commerce Township where that meeting took place. State GOP committee member and policy uh, Barry Doherty of Brandon Township said security would not let him enter the meeting. Doherty said the gathering is not officially was not officially called and a meeting of the state Republican Party and any actions taken would not be official. And there were some state committee members outside saying, hey, there are people claiming to be our proxies inside, yes. and we didn't authorize that. That's so there's, right. Uh, Paul Egan was some coverage of that in the free press. It should be interesting. It's going to go to court, oh, right? Absolutely. Uh-huh. And uh, we did reach out. To, Nick reached out to Christina Karama. We hope to talk with her about this. She does not acknowledge this in any way. Meantime, this is a kind of a tectonic shift within the Republican Party. The tradition has been since really, I think, 1988. You have primaries to select presidential candidates. You have primaries for the gubernatorial race, things like that. Yeah. Before this meeting ever happened, the state GOP has launched a new proposal that basically says we're, we're going to step away from the primaries. From now on, those big jobs, we're going to have basically the party elite, precinct delegates choose it in a caucus. So taking the vote away from rank-and-file Republicans and registered voters and giving it to um, 2,000 precinct delegates. Now, i got to tell you, um, this is going to be laid out by those supporting it. Is Well, it's going to be – these aren't MAGA Republicans that are opposed to it. These are the establishment uh-huh. Republicans. These mm-hmm. are the people that we're trying, to, we're trying to take the party in a new direction. B.S. Rocky Ryszkowski, Matt DiPerno, Tudor Dixon – People that are members of that very grassroots coalition that we're moving forward with this uh, new group, they say this is insane. And this is Soviet-style politics, folks. This is where party elites, these folks that claim to be against the Chinese Communist Party, this is what Xi does. Yeah. 
You handpick the people you want because of fealty to party elites, not to choosing the best person for the job. And uh, I don't know if this is going to get any traction, but boy, the opposition. And we asked Christina Caramo, <clears throat> because there was a drumbeat about this several months ago. Look, will you support, will you pledge to have primaries rather than these in-house caucuses? Here's what she had to say then. Will you pledge to have a GOP Republican presidential primary here in the state of Michigan in 2024? Oh, absolutely. We're, we're, it is not, again, as a party, it is not the job of the party. You know, let me, let me step back for a second. You know, I have my personal opinions on lots of things, but mm-hmm. as chairwoman of the Michigan Republican Party, it is my job to stay neutral. It is my job to provide equal opportunity for every candidate running as a Republican. Good. And then once the primaries are over with, get behind whoever our nominee is, full stop, period. That is my job. And so that's what I'm committed to doing as chairwoman, and we're going to make sure that all of our Republican candidates have the resources that they need. The party is properly funded. Well, the party under here leadership well, isn't being neutral. They're saying we're going to do this with caucuses. And what it basically says to rank-and-file Republicans is we don't trust that you're ideologically pure enough. That's really what it says. And so, uh, you know, you don't meet the purity test. And I mean, one of the things that they said, one of the uh, supporters said, right now, I feel our elected officials represent who gives them the most money to get elected and not the people that have elected them. We will be putting that back to where the delegates will be picking the representation, not who spends the most money. It's disenfranchisement, pure and simple. And people need to be electable in, on, in, the, in these big races, too. Yes. Yeah. So you have to be able to spend money. Matt I mean, DiPerno calls money. it a terrible idea. Mike Brown, who is a, a very conservative Republican uh, gubernatorial candidate, says this is unserious. Uh, one million voters participated in the 2022 Republican presidential primary. And you're telling one million people, nope, blank off. Yep. See ya. That's You don't count. So we'll when see. we come back. Yeah, we're going to be checking in with Crane's Detroit Business. We're going to be talking with Matt Schneider coming up at 635 about the Supreme Court weighing in on whether the 14th Amendment applies to the U.S. presidential election. All ahead on J.R. Morning. Checking the markets this morning. Uh, the Dow futures uh, just down a little bit, uh, about half a percentage point on the open. Boeing down perhaps as much as 10% on the open because of the concerns over the depressurization of the Air Alaska flight losing its door plug in mid-flight. And uh, there's some news on that that we'll be getting to. Meantime, we want to check in with Crane's Detroit Business, as we do on every Monday. Mike Lee, Managing Editor, joining us live this morning. Mike, good morning. Good morning, Guy. How are you? We're good. It's back to work for folks at GM. Uh, Do we know where they're going back to work yet on this January 8th? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. We don't. Uh, lots of them are going back to work at the uh, at the tech center. We know the uh, GM has has, has uh, sort of officially moved uh, quite a number of its rents and employees out there. But uh, we'll have to see. All right. Yeah. But to, in the meantime, we may see some increased traffic around the the rent and uh, and the, the the tech center. But yeah, they've told everybody to be back at least Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Mm-hmm. But we'd like to see you more than that. And uh, we know that there are a lot of very strong business reasons. For that. Mike, we we uh, heard a lot about these cyber attacks, uh, especially at hospitals, and hospitals seem to be kind of ripe for those types of attacks because all of the you know really pertinent information that they carry. Um, what's going on with that? And are we hearing more of that and less of the ransomware? Uh, we're hearing more of both. I think uh, 
the uh, over the holidays, uh, Corwell Health, uh, which owns Beaumont, uh, announced a pretty big cyber attack, uh, possibly up to a million people, um, compromised some pretty sensitive information. They said it included social security numbers and other uh, other info. Uh, they're hardly unique. McLaren announced a, a, a data breach uh, a little while before that. U of M has had one pretty large one, um, you know, the, and they, all the experts say it's, it's getting worse. Uh, hospitals make tempting targets. Uh, they have a lot of sensitive information. They also have a lot of money. Um, deep pockets mean that they are ripe for uh, ransomware attacks, which you don't typically hear about. Uh, those often don't get publicly announced. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the cyber criminals will lock down the data and make the, make the target pay to, uh, to get it released. Um, and, you know, hospitals and, and other businesses don't like talking about that because it makes them a target, especially if people find out, oh, yeah, they paid. Um, and that is often what happens is, is the, the, the health systems or banks or whomever will, will, will pay off the criminals to get their to get their data back. Um, the uh, U of M's uh, health or uh, security chief, I thought was really interesting. He said it's, it's not a not a case where you you're defending against one big thing. It's, you know, you're constantly under attack, like the immune system in the human body and some things are going to get through. So it's a, it's a whole continuum of processes that the, that these, these institutions have to have to, uh, to respond to these kinds of threats. Uh, Mike, speaking of Michigan, huge game tonight, national championship. You have an article coming up about NIL deals and these players and how much money they made leading into this big game. Yeah, I thought this was this was really interesting. The uh, you know the the landscape of college football has changed dr drastically in the past uh, couple of years since uh, players became able to uh, to make money by selling their name, image, and likeness uh, for for marketing purposes, and often they're paid through uh, through uh, booster organizations. Uh, honestly, um, and consulting outfit called on three put some valuations on the, on the Michigan athletes NIL values um, JJ McCarthy on top Blake Corum I guess not surprising or the two Wolverines with the that, that they assign the highest values to um, this championship run is going to be really eventually good for Michigan in terms of, of luring new recruits because they the more attention you get the more money you can make uh, quite frankly um, so that that exposure is 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 kind of priceless. Although we did we did see Michigan lose out on uh, top recruit uh, late last week, Bryce Underwood from Belleville, quarterback who was ranked tops in the country, um, who's going to Louisiana State, um, and a lot of folks think that's because he he's been promised some uh, some pretty tempting uh, NIL deals, yeah. um, even though that quid pro quo isn't supposed to happen, <laughs> it, it certainly does. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll see, but uh, obviously this uh, this is good news for 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 those Wolverine athletes who are who are who are looking to uh, to make some money. In a few hours, I'm going to be heading off to CES in Las Vegas. Normally, this is a place where the automakers, GM, Ford, Stellantis, have tried to, you know, really package themselves as technology companies more than manufacturing old style manufacturing concerns. Not much of a presence there this year. We'll see some Detroit auto suppliers. Uh, but not only are they sitting out CES, they're going to sit out the Super Bowl. Yep, all all three automakers are uh, are sitting out Super Bowl advertising. Stellantis was the confirmed that they're 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 taking the year off, um, and they, you know obviously Chrysler and 
Jeep have been huge Super Bowl advertisers in the past. I think we all remember M&M's uh, imported from Detroit commercial for the Chrysler 200. Um, that 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 it kind of extends a lot of cost cutting that they've been doing. Um, Stellantis also last week said they're not going to the Chicago Auto Show and are withdrawing from other auto shows as well. They did not specifically mention Detroit, which is a, a long way away. Um, but uh, the, the automakers in general have, have started to question the value of those auto shows. Uh, but some of this is just optics following the, the UAW uh, settlement um, and looking to cut costs in response to it. So, uh, you know, the, the, the way they market themselves is, is certainly changing. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how that, how that plays out in the future. What about quickly that United Football League? We had uh, the head coach of the Michigan Panthers recently. It's 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 moving in a different direction. Yeah, this is. I thought this is really interesting. The the news of the merger between the USFL and the XFL uh, came out over the holidays, and I don't, I don't think it got a whole lot of attention then. Um, but I noticed yesterday during the the, uh, the Lions game, Fox was pushing this uh, the the new United Football League. Um, really hard promoting spring football and, and how exciting that is. Um, the, the, this newly merged league will include the, the Michigan Panthers, uh, who, uh, who played at, at Ford Field uh, last spring. Um, some there were some cities that, that lost out on their teams, but this uh, Fox Sports deal with this new league that's backed by Dwayne the Rock Johnson, among others. Um, that that seems like a big deal for the future of it. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, you know the amount of promotion they got, I I, I got to believe that there's this the, this incarnation of spring football might have some staying power. We certainly. All right. Meantime, we're focused on next Sunday. Mike, thanks very much. Have a great week. Thank you much. Forty-five members of the Republican State Committee got together in Commerce Township over the weekend. Um, they claimed it was a legitimate meeting, and uh, they voted forty to five to take out the chairperson of the Republican Party, Christina Caramo, who joins us live this morning on JR Morning. Madam Chair, good morning. Morning. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Uh, realize it's it's been a, a tumultuous weekend for you, so we appreciate you coming on. You have said that uh, that this was illegitimate. You've cited party bylaws. Where is it in the bylaws that this was legitimate? It appears they had a quorum. Well, no, they didn't. Um, there's 107 voting members of the Michigan Republican Party, and a quorum is, designed, is defined by half of the members. And our bylaws do allow for proxy and proxy voting, but our bylaws also specify and define quorum. And for certain votes, like amending bylaws and removal of members, proxies aren't allowed to vote. And therefore, the quorum must be maintained by voting members, not proxy. So there's a lot of technicalities in our bylaws that the average listener is not aware of as to why this was an illegitimate gathering. So, I mean, these individuals can make any claims they want, but that it's not lawful what they've done. The meeting itself and the actual vote was just performative nonsense. But, you know, what's really sad is that Republican voters in Michigan are concerned about the future of this country, and these individuals are more concerned with internal power struggles. But so be it, but we will move forward to ensure that Republicans are successful in 2024. How then do you move forward if some people believe that you've been ousted and you do not? Well, there's the law. You know, um, there, there's the law, and our bylaws are very clear on the process. Um, you know, unfortunately, there's a reason why politically America is in a really bad spot, 
and people have really low confidence in politicians, it's because, sadly, we don't have enough decent everyday people in politics. And the majority of the committee is appalled by these individual actions. Um, and additionally, we have, you know, our police and delegates and our activists who are focused on saving the country. So, you know, anytime you have a large reservation, you have a few scrappers, and everybody say, wow, it doesn't seem like a few. It seems like a lot. Well, the reality is it's not the majority of the committee. And secondarily, unfortunately, that's just the reality that we have these saboteurs. It's a story is. You know, Benedict Arnold, Caesar and Brutus, it's, it's no story, but unfortunately in politics you have these types of individuals. You just have to proceed even to those challenges. Um, Chair, have you spoken to the former president? I know as uh, you were running for Secretary of State, he was uh, behind you and he supported you. Have you spoken to him since all of this has been going on? Well, the thing about it is we in the Republican Party, in our bylaws, that I have to remain neutral in the primary. So I cannot show favoritism to one candidate or another, but we've spoken to all campaigns, you know, since my time as chair. But again, per our party bylaws, I'm not allowed to endorse any candidate in the primary. So it's just a standard of the Michigan Republican Party to maintain that neutrality. Bylaws aside, technicalities aside, Madam Chair, you've got 40 members of the state Republican committee who have said they no want no longer want you in leadership. Um, at what point do you say, you know what, for the good of the party, as we enter this very consequential election season, as perhaps we have some some resource shortfalls and we need to rebuild our war chests here, at what point do you say, you know what, for the good of the party, I will step aside to try to heal this party? Well, actually, it will cause more division. As I mentioned before, there's 107 voting members, so 40 people aren't the majority and I also was elected by 14 points at the convention. So that actually their actions are causing division, not mine. Me doing my job that I was elected to do isn't causing division. Them constantly trying to internally sabotage it is causing division and frustration because they're the ones that are sowing division, not me by doing my job. And that's the problem. But do you have the mandate that you had before? I mean, these are people that most of them were in your corner. They were Karamo fans. No, they, most of them were not in my corner. I'm, I don't know where you got the information from. They actually backed Matt DiPerno. <laughs> Those that have well, called me? <laughs> yeah, your co-chair. Well, the co- well, you know what? Again, that's a story as old as Benedict Arnold. I mean, I don't want to get into the internal intrigue and gossip, but this is a story as old as time. You, you join forces with somebody, and in politics, you have a high concentration of morally depraved people in politics. That's a fact. It's a reason why Americans have such low confidence in politicians. It's because so many of the people who get into politics aren't in it for the right reasons. Many people are in it because they enjoy wielding power. So just because an individual made a pledge to me when they wanted to see the power, that doesn't mean that they ran consistent or were truthful when they made that pledge. As I said before, the majority of Michiganders, including our Republican activists and delegates, don't want to get involved in the performative nonsense. They're focused on winning elections, and that's what we're doing. And yes, it's annoying. Yes, it's a bump in the road. Yes, it's PR-wise, it's not positive, but we can't let that detract us from the mission that I was elected to do. Uh, this party is making national headlines. How do you raise money? How do you move forward in this election cycle when things, you know, on they're calling it a dumpster fire, at least nationally? Well, you know, Michigan was a dumpster fire for three cycles in a row. And here's the reality. The Republican Party is at a Rubicon, and that goes whether it's Michigan or nationally. It is. 
because there is a group of us who want to take the party in a new direction, win elections, be influential again, get young people involved. And there's another group who wants to maintain the status quo because it makes them a lot of money. So we're confident that the direction we're going in is what will not only save the party, but save the country. Because this philosophy of populism is bringing in people, you know, when have you seen such a blue collar upswell within the Republican Party? We haven't seen that in decades. When have you seen the upwelling of minority voters growing and gravitating to the Republican Party? You haven't seen that in decades. Right. That's because the new direction that we're taking it in and these old guard Republicans who just want to continue to make money and do it from, from a failed system and, you know, do things the same way because they did it in the 1980s. They just want to hold the rest of us back and we won't let it happen. Are you st- are you still in favor of uh, having, you know, the primary primary voters as opposed to caucuses? Yeah, what was this proposal that came out that says that we're going to do do away with primaries and that basically the precinct delegates are going to choose statewide elective uh, nominees from now on? Well, we already have that system, you know, as both political parties do that with certain races. The reality is we need better political representation, and everyday Michiganders elect precinct delegates in their community. They talk to precinct delegates. They are their neighbors. Most people have never been able to even connect with one of their local elected officials. I mean, one of their uh, you know uh, elected officials, but the precinct delegate who lives in their neighborhood, they're able to talk to them. They're able to go and air their grievances with them. And the precinct delegate is someone they can hold accountable. So we as a party are discussing ways to provide better political representation to our communities because, as we can see, our country is on the wrong road. But that's like saying, look, we don't trust you rank-and-file Republicans to choose. We're going to let party elites do it. And, I mean, the people that are lining up against uh, this proposal, I mean, Matt DiPerno, uh, Tudor Dixon, these are not establishment Republicans. These are MAGA Republicans. Well, well, a lot of people claim to be MAGA Republicans, and Matt DiPerno is a fraud. He's been a sore loser in a list of other things. But let me say this. At the end of the day, people, the, rank, the everyday person is not excluded, nor is it this concept of party elites. Precinct delegates are your neighbors. They're the people you see every week. They're the people who look after your mail when you're um, Most of us don't know who our precinct delegate is, nor, quite frankly, do many people care. They want to vote. They want to have a voice. I'm my voice. I want to go and press my button and vote. Well, the thing about it is you do elect your precinct delegates, and the fact that most people don't know who they are, that's just a reflective of the condition of our country. We have, at the Michigan Republican Party, we are working very hard to educate the public on who their precinct delegates mm-hmm. are and who our political system is, how the political system works. You elect your precinct delegates on the ballot. So these are not just some rogue individuals. These are your neighbors that you vote for to be your representative. And we already do this with many elections already as a state, both Democrat and Republican parties. So we as a party are just discussing and exploring other options, how we can provide better political representation. And the precinct delegates, we already do this. Supreme Court, state school board, attorney general, lieutenant governor. So this isn't some new thing. We already do this for many elections. Michigan is a is a swing state, as is Georgia and Arizona. And Georgia and Arizona are having the same kind of issues that they're having here, as far as their GOP leadership and what's going on with the GOP. Do you do you see some type of connection with Michigan going through this, as well as Georgia and Arizona battleground states? Yeah, to your point, that's that's a great question. And it, 
as I mentioned earlier, that's why I said that we're, we're crossing a Rubicon as a Republican Party. It's not just Michigan. Again, there are you, as I said, mentioned earlier, you're seeing a shift in the Republican Party with blue collar people, you know, minorities getting super involved in positions of leadership like myself um, within the Republican Party. And that's largely because of this populist movement. It's, it's a people first movement rooted in the U.S. Constitution. We're constitutionally. And you have another class of people who just want the status quo and to keep money, making money off the failed system, even though we're losing elections and losing influence. They don't care. They just want power. And the group of us who want to save the country, we are opposed to their actions, and we are determined to move the party in a new direction. Um, it's no secret the party has lost influence. It's no secret the party hasn't done well. And we're going to move in a new direction. Will there be bumps? Will there be schisms? Will there be public fallout? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not what I like. But if it's what's going to move this country for, if it's going to be what's moved this party for, so be it. That's what we're going to do. Who Don't will, like it, but who will decide whether we go with caucuses rather than primaries to, for instance, uh, nominate a gubernatorial candidate? Who makes that decision? Well, you know, if you look at Michigan election law, it's really the party who makes those decisions. Um, but you know, we're exploring all options. We're having a lot of conversations about it. I mean, it's nothing settled. But at the end of the day, we do this already for many elections in the state of Michigan. So this isn't a new or novel concept. But most people have never had a conversation with their governor. They've never talked to the person day in their life. But your precinct de- delegates, you see them when you go to the grocery store, you see them when you guys drop your kids off at school. This is the person you can connect with and talk to. And the precinct delegate doesn't rep the in- represent the interests of your community. You can vote them out. So, again, we need to educate, do a better job of educating the public as to how the political system works instead of just having a system that poorly provides political representation. Well, that may be, but I don't know that that means they want to give up their vote in the process, which you're right. We have done it this way in the past, but for the most part, since 1988 and beyond, this has been a tradition. We've had these primaries. It will be an interesting debate. And, Christina Caramo, we appreciate you being on with us. I assume this is going to the courts and uh, we will uh, we'll hope to have future discussions with you as it makes its way through. I appreciate you guys having me on. God bless. All right. And God bless you. Thank you. It is uh, 647 on J.R. Morning. Uh, when we come back, uh, he was trying for perfection. Did a local gambler make the half-million-dollar jackpot with his pick Uh, In the NFL over the weekend, Uh, we'll find out how Wade Fink did and whether he hit the jackpot next on JR Morning. Say hats off to the USA Junior World Hockey Team. They won the world championship Mm -hmm. over the weekend. Uh, Trey Augustin from Michigan State on the team. Uh, Rutger McGrody. Uh, Gavin a Michigan Brindley. State player, had two goals. Yeah, I mean, uh, we were well represented on this team. And when it came time for them to play the national anthem, these guys just belted it out. It was a glorious moment. Top of the lung uh, singing <laughs> of the Star Spangled Banner. And uh, just, uh, just a, a neat moment of uh, national pride for these guys. Heck, they all look like they're about 14 years old. They I mean, look yeah. that way, don't they? they? they, they yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the national junior team taking the Worlds, and, and yeah, I think we had four or five uh, guys on that team. Really, really well represented. So hats off 
to them. Meantime, over the weekend, we've been following the odyssey of this guy, Wade Fink, who mm-hmm. wagers on sports, does very well. He was in, what do they call it, a survivor's pool? Right. So you pick a different NFL team each week. You can't pick the same one twice. And they all, no spread. They just have to win. Yeah. And he was perfect going into this last week. He already won the pool. There are 79 people in it. He already won it for the Hollywood Casino Greek Towns NFL Survivor Pool. And he won it on Thanksgiving weekend when he he picked against the Lions, which he said killed him. But so he wins like 40 grand for winning the whole thing, which okay. is amazing. I'd love to win 40 grand. Absolutely. But if you remain perfect, you could win $500,000. And he did that by picking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so he was awarded this check. There's this picture of him in this giant check for $500,000. And he says that he's going to get his wife something really nice, go on an epic trip, and then bank the rest of it. Now, he hedged his bet. Just so he didn't, you know. So he probably doesn't got a. He's he's not netting out a half mil. Right, and he's declined to say how much he hedged. So we don't know exactly what his payday is, but it's a good one. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, he was going to do well anyway because he was going back and forth whether he was going to pick Pittsburgh over the Ravens or the Bucks, And Pittsburgh beat the Ravens. Either way, he <laughs> would have come out Which on Which I like for different reasons. Right, but, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, Carolina or Buccaneers beat Carolina 9 to nothing in a real barn burner. But, um, yeah, so good for him. I mean, that's a great payday. We know the Wall Street Journal uh, looks at business strategies, turnaround strategies. I mean, they do deep dives into the minutia of what makes a great CEO. Ben Cohen writes about it a lot uh, for the Wall Street Journal. Under his byline, this headline, is this football coach the best turnaround CEO in America? And whose picture do we see? Jim Harbaugh. Jimmy. <laughs> and they, they call him the Monet of turnaround artists. And they said whether it was Stanford, whether it was the 49ers, and certainly at Michigan since 2014, this guy has taken basket cases and turned them around. Now, he says, you know, we would like to get into how he does it, to really deconstruct his success. But they said every time you ask him about it, he 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 talks about his chickens. Right. (laughs) Or the one piece. I'm in the one piece. I think there's something endearing about him to the players because whenever you talk to them, they talk about how much they love him. When they they won the Rose Bowl, they run directly to him. So there's something with him connecting with these young guys through his quirky way he does things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they say his peculiarities probably are one of the things that make him so lovable. Yes. I will say ninth season as Michigan coach – um, he has been the NFL Coach of the Year, AP College Football Coach of the Year. He has yet to take a team beyond a conference or a division title. So getting to this game, like the 49ers, can't win it. So yeah. this would be huge if he could be big. Get, get over this hump. They, they do get into some of the, you know, what what are the takeaways and the lessons that CEOs or wannabe CEOs could learn from Jim Harbaugh. And they said the one thing he doesn't lack is confidence. But he can also... Uh, use it as a transaction. He can transmit that confidence into the people that he's managing, or in this case, young players. And they said that's really kind of the, in the essence, his ability to to offload that confidence onto them is what makes him a great turnaround artist, a great CEO. So if he was taking over a company... He might be as successful. Yeah, even though I'm yeah. not so sure how well he would do with a board of directors. <laughs> well, that's the issue. Right. Exactly. 
Just, just saying. I think, and all that stuff. Yeah, you know. I think I think he is an owner operator. <laughs> I think he's kind of kind of an Elon Musk. And uh, another thing he does is he always when they try and interview him on the field, don't talk to me, talk to the players. And then when they asked him what it would mean to win the national championship, well, it's not about me. It's about the players. It's about my family, about my wife, about my kids. Maybe there's right. something there too. Yeah. Um, the uh, we're getting some uh, new information about the Air Alaska. Again, I, I, why does this happen before I have to get on a flight? I'm just, this just, scares me. You're you going to be fine. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm not worried. Uh, <laughs> but this this uh, they did find the door and door plug. A guy found it in his backyard, took it to the NTSB. So we're learning a little more about this. Uh, but there's a new wrinkle to the story. We will update you on that and much more as uh, we kind of take you around the headlines next on JR Morning. Uh, between now and the end of the show, I think we got four flights to Houston departing, uh, a few others towards uh, parts in Texas where they, Wolverine fans may be uh, landing and then uh, driving a couple hours to uh, to Houston to get ready for the national championship against the University of Washington Huskies. Uh, and right now, checking everything is green, everything's on time, everything's just dandy. Everything's green like how much it costs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Throwing, a lo- throwing a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, at it, but it's going to be a an incredible uh, next week of football action. Maybe one of the most exciting weeks in Detroit sports history. You have Michigan in the national championship game, and then you have the Lions hosting the first playoff game in Ford Field history, and Matthew Stafford's coming. I mean, uh, what you, a week! You can. Yeah, what and as a much week. as I love Matt Stafford. There will be no affection on Sunday. I I, I don't want him injured or harmed in any way, but I want him on his fanny a lot. Uh, I hope those Detroit Rams people make the right decision and root for the right team. Yeah, but do you think, you know, they're going to boo him when he comes Yes. You think they're going to boo Matthews? 100%, yes. Okay. I I don't think they're going to boo him, but they certainly are going to harass him on third down. I don't think he's going to be able to hear himself think. There are so many storylines here. The other is Goff playing against his old team and the way Sean McVay sort of like treated him. And I I almost like that, and Mike Parsons was talking about this on first thing, I almost like that narrative better. When the Lions won, they didn't know who they were going to play. When the Rams one, they knew who they were going to play. So, do you want to hear from Sean McVay? Uh, I I do. I just you know what? I just got a little bit sideways That's here okay. with my uh, with my. Uh, That's okay. Uh, yeah, I'm. Okay. Well, basically, <laughs> I'll find it. He'll just find it. Cover yeah. for me, will you? All right. You? Well. All right. I got it. All right here. It. He says this is incredible opportunity. That I think it's really about our team versus their team. There's some familiarity, just like he has familiarity with us. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of fun external narratives, but it really is going to be about us as a football team um, going there and, and trying to play good complementary football and uh, and put it all together. And this is why you do it. These are awesome opportunities. Um, the atmosphere and the environment we all know is going to be great, and, and that's what NFL playoff football is about. This is the marquee matchup of the wild card round. It that's why be. it's on Sunday night. And that place is absolutely going to be rocking. It's going to be fantastic. Downtown is going to be crazy. And does that tell you something, though, about America's affection for this underdog team that got no... They were the Rodney Dangerfields of the NFL for so long. <laughs> yes. And now you've got America on the bandwagon. Absolutely. They're the national story. Dan Campbell's likable ever since Hard Knocks, and people are rooting for the Lions. Now, the Rams come in. They've won one, two, three, last four games. So, straight. So, they're kind of hot right now, but 
The yeah. joke is there that Stafford couldn't win a playoff game with <laughs> the Lions, so hopefully that remains here in Detroit. Uh, meantime, Secretary of Defense, somebody who has the nuclear football and the codes and is, is, is part of that hierarchy of, of the nuclear chain of command, nobody knows where he is for two days. That's Lord. crazy. That's crazy. Uh, President Joe Biden was exasperated at not more quickly being informed of Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's ongoing hospitalization, which was only publicly revealed late last week. After several days, the U.S. official who spoke to ABC News said that there will be a review of the unusual way in which Austin's medical treatment was disclosed and someone could lose their job. The White House publicly standing by Austin with one administration official saying uh, that uh, that Biden has full confidence in Secretary Austin and is looking forward to him being back at the Pentagon. The president and Austin spoke on Saturday evening and had what the White House calls a warm conversation. I realize there are HIPAA laws, and I certainly wish him nothing but the best, sure. whatever it was. That put him, but he was in the ICU. Yes. Now, I, if, if you're Joe Biden, aren't you saying to your intelligence briefer, hey, you can tell me about Vladimir Putin's digestive health, but you can't tell me that my, that my guy, secretary of defense my guy. is in Walter Reed's ICU. This is pertinent information. And yes, there are HIPAA laws. We don't know what the initial elective surgery was. Maybe we don't need to know, but the White House needs to know. He had an elective procedure on December 22nd, then went home the next day. And on January 1st, he began experiencing severe pain. And was transported back to Walter Reed. And here's the problem. The problem with this is isn't just that he kept it secret. is that he told a lie in service to his own privacy. And Senator James Langford, who is an Oklahoma Republican, said that's the real problem here. We're at a time of a lot of turmoil internationally and suddenly have the Secretary of Defense. More than just a matter of wasn't there, actually sent over false information saying I'm working from home when he's not actually available at all. That's a whole different issue. It's the again, it's not the crime, it's the cover up. And the mm-hmm. fact that he was deceptive and lied, I think that's a fireable offense. And we'll 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 yeah. see what the White House does. I, I I have a hard time believing that was a warm conversation. I mean something I mean something goes on, you know, catastrophic and you try to get to your guy and he's in intensive care. Or you can't find him. Right. <laughs> well, there are two wars going on. I mean, who knew, yeah. knows what could have happened. Exactly. So also, you were two days away time. from the third anniversary of January 6th. Yeah. Right. You know, who who knows what else was percolating out there. Uh, meantime, we do have a budget agreement of sorts, $1.6 trillion. Um, you got to like the fact that it boosts defense spending and holds domestic spending flat. If you're a Republican, I think that's something uh, that you would endorse. Uh, but there's nothing in it for border security and that is that's going to be a sticking uh, point. that is a real sticking point with uh with with some people like jim jordan well i think the number one priority is the border i mean we're on we're on pace to get to 12 million illegal migrants coming into the country in the biden presidency i mean that's equivalent to the entire population of the state of ohio and we're not a small state we're the seventh largest state so that's the magnitude of this problem speaker mike johnson says hey we can handle that when we talk about israel and ukraine i am not Turning my back on the border by any means, but we want to avoid a government shutdown. And you know what? I think he's right. Yeah. You you look at this. This is never a, a government shutdown has never, ever been a Republican winner for the Republican Party. So uh, he's, you know, he's, I think, taking the right path here as long as he follows through and makes it the next thing. Yes, he does. Yeah. Uh, because even moderate Democrats are now saying 
we've got to fix this. You're setting records every single week. Time for WJR Business Week, uh, brought, Business Beat, rather, uh, brought to you by Shelving.com. We rack your world. Here's Jeff Sloan to highlight the entrepreneurial tech and startup sector here on WJR. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Guy. As we head into 2024, there is no doubt that one of the themes that we will be most focused on as entrepreneurs will be how to source capital to fuel our startups. And turning to programs like grants and even pitch contests and related programs are becoming sources that we simply need to pay more attention to as entrepreneurs. And one such program is known as the Comerica Hatch Detroit Contest. It's in partnership with TechTown Detroit, and business plans are now being accepted through February 16th for a shot to win a $100,000 grand prize. The Hatch Contest was established in 2012, and it allows entrepreneurs with a retail concept and goal of establishing a brick-and-mortar location in Detroit, Hamtramck, or Highland Park to submit business plans as entries into this highly respected and valued program. The Hatch Detroit Contest has helped launch Detroit businesses that are still going strong today, including, for example, Little Liberia. That was the 2022 Hatch Detroit Contest winner. 27th Letter Books won in 2019 and Sister Pie in 2014. In total, Hatch claims credit for helping launch more than 50 businesses, which now employ more than 500 people. And with this year's investment, Comerica Bank and the Comerica Charitable Foundation have committed more than $1.1 million to Hatch Detroit in direct funding since Comerica's partnership. So if you've got a brick-and-mortar business idea that you simply can't get off your mind, and if your New Year's resolution is to get it started this year, check out the Hatch Detroit contest at HatchDetroit.com. I'm Jeff Sloan, founder and CEO of StartupNation.com, and that's today's business beat on the great voice of the Great Lakes, WJR. Looking back, it was one of the most fun moments I had in my career. 27 years ago, I was in Pasadena for the last time. University of Michigan Wolverines won a national championship. And to my right was the lovely Robbie Timmons, and uh, she opened our 11 o'clock broadcast, uh, newscast, uh, live from Pasadena with me. We had a blast, and our first guest that night was our next guest today, Jimmy Brandstatter, the former voice of the University of Michigan Wolverines football program and, uh, of course, color analyst for so many years. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Guy. How are you? I remember that night beautifully. It was a great, great memory. And I remember Robbie employed me. I was going to go out and get all of your guests, <laughs> make <laughs> sure that I could secure all the players like John Jansen and some of those guys, make sure you had people to talk to. Best producer we ever had. Field producer. <laughs> only, only slightly overqualified. <laughs> only <laughs> hey, I was glad to do it. It was just, it was great. What a great night! I mean, win a national championship. Uh, that was just that was just a magical evening. Uh, Jim, hi Jamie. Hi, how are you? Good morning. Good, you. What a big night we have upcoming here. No kidding. Talk to me about how big it is for this Michigan fan base for the school to be on this national stage first time in the big game. Well, I think it's it's been coming. You know, and it's like. We've been starved for this because we've been teased for two years in a row. Uh, Michigan, you know, but Harbaugh coming back from a 2020 season where they were literally given up for dead, and then the next year to get to the championships, the the conference or the college football playoffs, and get beat. 
and then the year after do the same thing. And now, you know, they've made good. Uh, they, they got through the semifinals. Now they're into the championship game. So it's been three years coming, and that's why I think the anticipation is so big. Uh, because it's like, man, now is the year. This is our time. We've had two other chances. We've screwed it up. Now it's a chance to get one going, and that's why I think it's so big. And plus, it just renews everybody's belief and faith that this is one of the truly great programs in collegiate football history and always has. And I think that uh, you know this is the validation for that. Jim, when they play uh, Washington uh, tonight, will they see? Will Michigan see anything different that they haven't seen all year long? Yeah, they'll see Michael Penix, and he is the real deal. Um, one of the best throwing quarterbacks, deep ball passers that I think I've seen in a long, long time. Now they saw him before when they played Indiana. Uh-huh. Uh, when he was in Indiana, he actually beat him a couple of years ago. So it's not like they haven't seen him before. But boy, in Washington, they've got an offense that really is tailored around him and his his talents, and and they take full advantage of it. So. Yeah, I mean, but, they've played a lot of good quarterbacks this year, but nobody like him. Is he a runner, though? I mean, and will we be able to get to him? That's the key. you got to get to him. And, and no, he's not a runner. He, he, it's amazing. This, here's a stat you can't even believe. He's played 14 games. He's been sacked 11 times. I mean, that's just impossible. Yeah. But he's got this uncanny ability that eyes in the back of his head. Uh-huh. He just knows when there's pressure coming. And he's able to deliver the ball, get the ball out to a safety valve or somebody so that he doesn't take sacks. Nevertheless, uh, very, very accurate thrower. We, we've got a great defense. Where does this Michigan defense rank in, in all of the years that you've been watching this team? Uh, it's right up there with the national championship defense in 97, which was one of the best in the country. The only thing it lacks, guys, is it, it doesn't have that name big, you know, like that defense had Charles Woodson. This defense doesn't have that, but they've got 14, 15, 16 guys. I mean, especially up front, they can rotate three, four, five guys in the middle interior defensively. They've got great edge rushers. They've got five or six guys that can come in. All of them can make plays. They don't have the one big name, but as a unit, they're as good as I think Michigan's had in, in oh, I would say 25 years. Jim, in this era of college football where people transfer and, you know, at, at drop of a dime, this team sort of stayed together and said, we're going to come back as a unit and try and win this thing. I think that's special. Oh, I agree, and I think that's why they're there. I'll be honest with you, Jamie, that is the key to the whole deal. I mean, you look at – I mean, Blake Corum says, I just came back. I didn't come back for records. I didn't come back to, you know, be Michigan's leading rusher or get more touchdowns than anybody. I came back to play with my brothers so that we could finish the job of getting a national championship. That's – I don't think that's lip service. That's the real deal. That's why they came back. They – I'll never forget, in 21, my last year, we lost to Georgia down in Miami. And I'm doing a post-game show down on the sideline. You guys know how that is. Mm-hmm. And Georgia's out behind me celebrating the confetti's flying. And I look over in a corner and I see Blake Corm and J.J. McCarthy as sophomores, or as freshmen, and, and, and they're just standing there watching the celebration. And you can see on their face, I saw on their face that night this, so this is what we have to do to get to where we want to go. They had that determination, even back then, and I thought, you know, that's odd. That why aren't you in the locker room? Just you don't want. Who wants to watch this? That's the guy that just beat you. And yet they were out on the field watching this celebration. And and to me that spoke volumes of what kind of guys they were and how their resolve was just two years ago that they weren't going to you know be in this position again. 
Well, and, and I think they're there now for the reasons that they were there watching that celebration. And they needed a deep well of that resolve, given all the drama that this season has thrown at them. How important oh. has that test been to the character of this team? Uh, it's, I think it's proven its character. Because look at all the outside noise. And, and yet all of that outside noise has never affected their performance. They have always kept their eye on the ball. They've always kept their eye on the prize. And to me, the guy, that guy, it's a great observation. They, they have not let anything uh, keep them from their appointed task, which was win a national championship. And, and all the other noise, all that other stuff, it's all window dressing. What's important to them is getting the job done, getting better every day and winning games. And, and that, to me, is, again, part of why this team is special. Uh Jim, there are four openings in the NFL. Jim Harbaugh has been asked if he's going to leave or not. I think no one wants to focus on that right now, but do you think he goes? I don't know. I, I, I don't think he'd go, but then again, I don't. Who? Let's put it this way. Jim has been successful wherever he's been, and this year's been just amazing. And um, if you're a coach and, and you've done all the right things, and, and so far you know, nobody's proven anything and he's done anything wrong. And yet there are people nipping at his heels. The NCAA is after him for all this stuff. And, and, and if you're a coach, you're going, you know, I, do I need this? Mm-hmm. I can go somewhere and I don't, I don't have any of these people coming after me for these trumped up, unproven things. And, and I think that there's some of that behind him in his mind. But, if, but, but I think he also understands that I've got a home. This is, this is a special place and all this stuff will go, will go away. I think he'll stay. I hope he does, but I let's put it this way, Jamie. If he did go, I, I kind of would be able to understand it. He would have accomplished everything in college football that he wants. There's one thing he hasn't done yet, and, Jim, and that's if, win a Super Bowl. And, Jim, if he does go, what does it mean for the, the Wolverines in the future? I think, I, you know, everybody's going to say, oh, well, it was me. I don't think so. Michigan football program has survived a lot of stuff. It's a great program. It's one of the greatest jobs on the planet if you're a college football coach. And there's going to be everybody that's anybody will be standing in line to try to get that job. And I think that we've seen this year, obviously, from all the stuff that's gone on where Jim hasn't been able to coach, we've seen Sharon Moore step up like a giant. And, and why wouldn't he be a great candidate if Jim does decide to go? And I don't think Michigan would skip a beat. Very quickly, Jimmy, less than a minute. But uh, the Wall Street Journal, Ben Cohen, their strategies correspondent calls Jim Harbaugh, not the best football coach in America, the best turnaround CEO in America. Did you see that? I did see that, and it was really well written. Uh, and and it, and the parallels he runs to business are, are really cool. And and the professors that he talks about in business, and one of them graduated from the University of Michigan. I thought it was a great article, and and it's true what he's done and how he, as an organizer, as a leader has, has yeah. you know, molded that unit to be as good as it is, given what his past is and where they wanted to go. Um, you got to have a special group of, of employees, of, of, of players to do it, but you also have to have that leadership. And every one of those kids, you listen to them, every one of those kids say, I love Jim Harbaugh. I love yeah. that coach. Mm-hmm. You don't get to where you are without that kind of respect and love that's right. for that man that's at the top. Yeah, I just wish he'd share his secrets. Instead, he just talks about his chickens. Uh, Jim, <laughs> Jimmy, that's Jim Harbaugh, it's yeah. part of his beauty. Yeah, enjoy the game tonight, sir. Always Thanks, good to talk to you, Brandy. Good to talk to you guys. Happy and best to Ravi. Take care. Yeah.
this team's ready. They've been through it all, and uh, they're battle-tested. They're scarred to perfection, and, um, and we will be ready. Scarred to perfection, like the steak I, I had last night. Where did he come up with that? <laughs> He's great. But it is true. I mean, they they have been battle-tested, and now they get to take on the L.A. Rams, who had a, a, a nice victory over the 49ers yesterday with a bunch of subs, and uh, they will be coming to Ford Field, and that's the important thing. It's in our house. And we welcome Lomas Brown, color analyst for the Detroit Lions Radio Network and, of course, host of WGR Sports Wrap every night at 6 p.m. Lomas, good morning. Hey, good morning, good morning. You know, that's my guy, Dan. He comes up with those one-liners. I love it, man. Love it. <laughs> uh, before we get into the, the greatness and everything that's happening this week, talk about when Sam Laporta went down and sort of what everyone was feeling inside that stadium. Yeah, it, it sucked the energy right out of the stadium. You could hear it with the fans. Yep. I mean, I felt that way when he went down. And, you know, it, it, it didn't seem like a, a vicious hit, you know, anything really bad. But as you seen from when um, T.J. Hawkinson got hit in our game, you know, he left with a torn, I think, AC or LC. I don't know what it was, but – I'm hoping that, like they say, it's just a sprain and just a bone bruise. And I don't, I just don't think he'll be ready, though, this week. It, it'll be hard. Those young fellows heal fast, but I don't know if he can heal that fast. Uh, Lomas, I was there yesterday, and uh, the, <laughs> that stadium was, was rocking. Um, and, you know, what I uh, like, too, is on third down, when everybody held up the the three, yeah. <laughs> you know it's going to be a hard place to play. It was so yeah. loud, and that's you know that led to a lot of uh, you know delay of games, and uh, because they couldn't hear. Yeah, it's always been that way when we get our crowd into the game, and when they're there. I mean, they come, they show up and show out. Like I like to say, man, we got some of the best fans in the National Football League, and you're right. We could use that to our advantage, man. It's such a big advantage when a, a team can't hear. It affects their audibles, how they be able to audible during the play. It makes them go on silent count. It just causes so many problems uh, when you got a, a fan base and you have a stadium that's rocking that way. And you're right, man. And, look, we'll do old school things because, you know, Lloyd, they broke out the wave uh, yes. a couple of games ago. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we'll, we'll dig back in the bag and go old school on you too. Yeah. <laughs> we, we know AT&T and the Cowboys Stadium is a pretty tough building to play in. But has Ford Field now become, for the opposition, one of the toughest buildings in the league? Absolutely, absolutely, for a lot of the things that I said. But, again, it's just that atmosphere. When you get people in there and get you get the opposing crowd going against you as a team, first of all, you feel like it's you against the world. Mm -hmm. But, like I said, it just limits you to so many other things that you will be able to do, not just on the offensive side of the ball either, on the defensive side of the ball. You know, and again, I know the crowd – it doesn't make a lot of noise during that time on the offensive <laughs> side of the ball, but it affects the whole team. It affects special teams. So, yes, man, we just need to be uh, still be creative like we are, 
but still bring it each and every game. Just bring that energy, and the players love it. We love it as players. We feed off of that too. What about facing these Rams? They're seven and one to end this season. We know who Matthew Stafford is, but they have really good receivers in Puka Nakua and um, Cooper Cup, and the Lions secondary really needs to step up. Yes, Jamie. We. That's going to be the matchup. That's why I wanted to see love. I wanted more love in my life. <laughs> uh, so, so now that we got Matthew coming here, yeah, man, we're going to have to tighten down on so many things. Because, Jamie, now think it's single elimination. You don't play. It's the best team on game day that's going to win that game. It doesn't matter anymore. You know, everybody's zero and zero right now. So you got to bring your best. You got to execute your best. Everything that you worked on during the season, it kind of has to come to fruition these these couple of games that are coming up because, like I say, it's do or die. It's sudden death. You win or you lose. You win or if you don't win, you're out. Yeah, and Justin Jefferson had 192 yards when they played the Vikings. So it concerns me when they have good receivers, but Mm -hmm. go on. But the other other part is is that they've had problems against guys like Lamar Jackson and highly mobile quarterbacks. Matt has a lot of gifts, but that is not one of them. He's not a run threat. No, he has that golden arm, though, and that that Mm -hmm. scares me because that arm can get you downfield a lot faster than his legs can. So, that scares me, man, how he can open it up. And like you say, the receivers that they have. And don't forget, they've been running the ball very well. Karen Williams, he's been pretty much running the ball at will against teams. And, you know, like I say, that defense, you know, their defense yeah. has been playing pretty solid all year long. So it's going to be a tough, tough, tough And game. C.J. was fired up yesterday. Yeah, my was. man, that's my guy. Yeah, that's my guy. I'm telling you, the emotional leader, the guy that's going to bring that juice to the Yeah, he'll do some trash talking, which will be great. I love it, though, yeah. Jamie. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, and, and, you know, Matthew uh, said, you know, their opportunity happens to be in Detroit, and he says it's going to be a great atmosphere. He says it's going to be tough, but he says he still appreciates many of the people here that gave him his start in the league and took care of him for 12 years. But, Lord, you better believe he want to cut our heart out. <laughs> hey, he's saying all those nice things, and he's laying down roses and everything, but you better believe, man, he want to come in here and he want to cut our well, heart out. Man. Well, golf wants to do the same thing. Thank you. Thank yeah. I know Jared does. I know he wants to show him up at his new home, too, in front of his 65,000 friends. You better believe Jared <laughs> wants to get it done. Absolutely. Yeah. You know who's going to be even more mercenary than either one of those guys? Kelly Stafford. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hopefully she, you know, contains and doesn't throw anything. <laughs> There's going to be so many storylines, though, this week, Lomas. You just p- People we know coming back, I think it makes it really fun. This this will be the most entertaining game. It will definitely be the game with the most storylines, like you're saying, with them coming back on both sides of the ball, man. And you better believe, not just on the field. Think about Brad Holmes. You know he wants to win this game. He wants to show them uh, in in L.A., you know, what type of uh, general manager – 
that he was or that he is. So, yes, you got storylines on the field. Like you say, Kelly going to be full throttle, baby. So, yes, it's going to be great. Well, and the ultimate compliment is in the free market, right? And right now, there's no playoff tickets selling stronger than Lions playoff tickets. I think the cheapest one we could find was 420 bucks. Nick's been surfing. Well, when you wait this long. Right. <laughs> yeah, pent, are you talking okay. about pent-up demand? Yes. I think would be the, yeah. Yes, yes. And it's an 8 o'clock game, too. Woo, man, there's going to be a lot of beverages that have flown, flowed earlier that day. So people going to be lubed up and ready to go. How many That's people going to show up for work Monday, Lo? I know, hey, that might be an unofficial holiday on Monday. <laughs> well, Guy and I will be here at 6 a.m. We'll, yeah, Tune in. Lloyd, Lloyd's, uh, Lloyd's going to be celebrating the holiday, but we will be here, and uh, I'm sure we will be, uh, we'll be – we're going to be looking for elixirs to help us get through. Uh, very quickly, hey, we got a pretty big football game tonight, Lowe. Uh Put on your yes. college uh, football analyst hat for a moment. Uh, Absolutely. What do you okay. like, and what, do you, what concerns you on behalf of the maize and blue? So looking for, you know, I don't think much does. I think Michael Penix could be a problem, but I think we're going to figure out a way to get that pass rush and get to him and affect him. And all I say about our offense is just keep doing what they've been doing. They've been grinding the ball on the ground with Blake. J.J.'s been taking care of the ball. So I'm looking for that block M to bring that natty back to Michigan. We need it. We need a championship Back here in the state of Michigan, they might as well start the party off and bring the first one back. (laughs) All right. Lomas, we look forward to it. It's going to be a great week from beginning to end. Uh, Have a good one, buddy. Y'all take care. Good talking to you. See you, When we come back, the chairwoman of the uh, Michigan Republican Party, is she out or isn't she? And what do we think about this idea of doing aways with primaries for Republicans and letting party elites choose their nominees for statewide office and president. We'll get into all of it with Nolan Finley next on JR Morning at uh, 749. I want to tell you about a great family-owned window company that I've recently had the chance to get to know, Clarkson Window and Door. For over 36 years, Clarkson Window and Door has been providing hundreds of thousands of windows and doors to Michigan homes. Their windows are made to order. That means you control the design process from color, style, grids, and hardware. They work with North Star Windows, an American-owned company that designs windows that can stand up to the harshest winter conditions so they can handle all our crazy Michigan weather. Clarkson Window and Doors installers are experts with decades of experience, and they never use subcontractors. So you always know exactly who you're working with and who's in your house. There are never any high-pressure sales tactics, and they offer fair and honest pricing. Great financing options are available, too. And to top it off, all their windows come with a lifetime warranty. It's no surprise that Clarkson Window and Door is so highly recommended by WJR's home improvement experts, the Inside Outside Guys. Check out their reviews online and go see them at their design showroom. When it's time to replace your windows, make sure you call Clarkson Window and Door. Visit ClarksonWindow.com for more information or call 248-338-6781. That's 248-338-6781. Over the weekend, the state chair of the Republican Party reportedly ousted by a significant portion of her state committee, which is the ruling body. 
of the state GOP. On a 40 to 5 vote, they voted uh, uh, voted to get rid of her. Uh, we talked with her uh, a couple of hours ago here on uh, JR Morning. Um, she says it's illegitimate that they didn't have a quorum. And uh, we asked her, well, but, but nevertheless, you've got a significant portion of your base saying that they no longer want you. Why not do what's in the best interest of the party and step down? Well, actually, it will cause more division. As I mentioned before, there's 107 voting members, so 40 people aren't the majority. And I also was elected by 14 points at the convention, so that actually their actions are causing division, not mine. Me doing my job that I was elected to do isn't causing division. Them constantly trying to internally sabotage it is causing division and frustration because they're the ones that are sowing division, not me by doing my job. And that's the problem. She's not causing the division. Nolan Finley is editorial page editor of the Detroit News and always connects with this a bright and early Monday morning. Nolan, good morning. Good morning, guy. She's saying, in me. It's all it's all y'all. In me. Well, you know those those rule of law constitutional Republicans, you know, they they uh oftentimes have, have trouble figuring out what the rules are. We saw the same thing. Hillsdale County, we had an editorial Sunday. It's been almost two years since Hillsdale County Republicans elected new leadership out there, and the old leaders won't go. You know, they're just just following their leader, you know. It's uh, uh, election was stolen. stolen. Uh, We don't have to go. And, you know, the court had to intervene out there, and I assume the court will intervene here. You agree in earlier times, though, a state party chair that has this much conflict, whose war chest is this empty, would would step down in in uh, and say, you know what, in the for, in the for the good of the party, I'm doing this. Well, in earlier times, Christina Caramo would have gotten nowhere near the chairmanship of the party. Uh, I mean, this is what they've come to. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing is normal these days. You know, uh, Nolan, I asked her if she had heard from uh, uh, former President Trump. You know, he supported her when she ran for secretary of state. And now with all of this going on, has she heard from him? Has he said anything to her? She she said, well, she has to be neutral. She can't talk to any of the candidates that are running. <laughs> yes, right. Um, I mean, she's been uh, a disaster from day one, but. You know, she's just a symptom of this. I don't think she caused the problems in the state Republican Party. I mean, once the the grassroots uh, Republicans, once those delegates at the county level, at the precinct level, uh, became uh, under the control of, of the Donald Trump wing of the party, you know, all bets were off, and uh, it's been it's been spiraling downhill ever since. So they can't raise money. Uh, folks who once helped the party organize, helped fund the party, helped it win elections, you know, they left. Uh, they're sitting on the sidelines waiting to, waiting for this disaster to complete itself. Nolan, what about this idea Michigan Republicans are talking about using caucuses instead of primary elections? Oh <laughs> yes, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm writing about that at this very moment. I mean, the this whole idea that we're going to narrow the party even further, and so we're going to vet our our candidates through a convention rather than a primary par- pro- process. They only have to look at the last election and see how that 
worked out. I don't think a single candidate who was nominated through the convention process won an election in and, Michigan. And doesn't it say uh, to rank-and-file so, Republicans, Nolan, we don't trust you, that we don't think you're ideologically pure enough? Well, what it, what it, yes. I mean, what it says is we're going to take complete control, iron grip on this party, and we're not going to listen, let anyone else have a voice. And, you know, I, when I first heard about it, I, I thought, well, good God. Um, how in the world could anybody think this is a good idea? Uh, we're going to have a whole slate of Matt DePornos and Christine Caramos on that ballot next time. I mean, they're talking federal offices, state offices, mm-hmm. not just the the offices that are typically nominated at conventions. So there'll be no testing of candidates through the primary election process. Uh, it'll be the end of the Republican Party in Michigan, and I say – you can't come soon enough. Nolan, you <clears throat> wrote about uh, President Biden focusing on January 6th uh, and Trump talking about still the stolen election, uh, but nobody's talking about what's the vision for the future. Right. And I think that's going to be a big problem for both in in this election. Um, you know, Biden is 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 want, wants to keep this whole January 6th uh mess alive in the minds of voters and you know trump wants to rally his people with this stolen election nonsense both of them looking backward nobody looking ahead i mean i think voters want to know how we're going to get out of this situation we're in and i don't think wallowing in the past is going to get us there i mean everybody knows what happened now on january 6th uh you know they know it was it was a bad thing, and it'll either affect their vote or not affect their vote. And for Biden to just keep pumping it and and go on this uh, you know this stolen election uh, uh, down this or not stolen election uh, threat to democracy path, uh, you know his hands aren't that clean on democracy protecting democracy either. I mean Democrats have tried to play every angle to. Um, bypass the democratic process and get an advantage in the election. Just a handful of seconds left, Nolan. Uh, Does Secretary Mm -hmm. of Defense Lloyd Austin, is that a fireable offense, him not telling the president where he was? Well, I mean, I would think so. I mean, that's a key key cabinet post at a time when, you know, we've got, uh, he's got a lot of business on his hands. I, I don't know what on earth he was thinking. Yeah. Nolan, have a great week. Uh, the Iowa caucuses one week from today. Interesting times ahead. And uh, Michigan football tonight. Take care. Thanks a lot, guys. It is January 8th, 2024, uh, one week away from the Iowa caucuses. And today is the day that General Motors Chair Mary Barra um, noted as kind of back-to-work day. This is the beginning of their new approach to getting people back in the office. They want everybody in place Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays at the very least. Um, Some elements of their business will be required to be there Monday through Friday. But it's going to be a life change for a lot of folks. Yeah, because hybrid is still very popular. It's hugely popular. And and the flexibility that comes with it. But there is a loss of synergy. Mm -hmm. How do you evaluate talent over Zoom? I just saw a report that a lot of manpower is lost when you have these constant Zoom meetings because people aren't really paying attention. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know how. And, and then there are some people that are 
that are just stars. They're going to be productive no matter That's right. what Some you do. Some people are very productive at home. More so more than so if they productive. got in the car, right. in the traffic, all that. So That's there right. is that aspect of it. Right. But it's, uh, it is going to be a, a, a difference, especially right now uh, that we, we still have some, some serious child care deficits here in the state of Michigan. I know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and when they're sick and can't go, you're kind of stuck. So if you have flexibility to stay home, I get that. Ryan Inc. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to my husband. That's right. Uh, meantime, uh, all eyes. Well, I mean, are, are on Houston. I, I was I was checking uh, departures. Everything's green for those headed down to Texas for the big game, the national championship. Wolverines against the Huskies. Uh, it's. I'll tell you what. Everyone feels, I know. The vibe in this town is so amazing. These Michigan people travel. If you're a Michigan <laughs> fan, they go to everything. Yes, they and they've do. had a lot of things to go to, uh, Final Fours, things like that, and they go. And my friends are on their way to Houston. Well, Mike, we, I got, we, uh, we're awakening with two grandchildren in the house today because uh, my daughter and her husband are down in Houston. They, they already uh, FaceTimed with them last night. Everybody in the FaceTime was wearing U of M gear. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, it's it's fantastic what's happening. The winningest program against one of the West original power programs. Both are undefeated, both in this national championship game for the first time. And Jim Harbaugh was asked about the NFL. He deflected those but said, this is what I'll tell my team before tonight. My message to our guys is going to be play as hard as you can, as fast as you can, as long as you can, and don't worry. And, and just go have at it. So he deflected. Leave it out on the field. I'm yep. shocked, shocked that he deflected. Well, he yeah. never does that. Um, but <laughs> he, it, 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 as you listen, you know, there's a lot of writing about. Well, this is going to this game. If if they win, he's off to the NFL. If he loses, he may stick around. Is it really that black and white, or is now are, is there a growing so. consensus that he's Probably got a, a half a foot out the door. I think it's the opportunity being the right one for him is the deciding factor, not if he wins or loses. Because yeah. if he stays at Michigan, he's golden. They're all set up to continue to have a great run. Yeah, Nick, you've been looking at the uh, ticket prices, uh, both for the Wolverines and for the Lions. Uh, what are you seeing out there? Yeah, the Lions is the uh, hottest ticket in the uh, NFL wildcard round. The lowest ticket we can find is $422 for the Lions game. All the other games are in the like between a hundred and ten bucks and two hundred and ten. So the Lions are more than double the next uh, highest paid ticket. So Cinderella. This is why they were picked to be the Sunday night primetime game. Yeah. It's Matthew Stafford coming back after being with the Lions forever and ever, not being able to get over that hump. He comes back as a Super Bowl champion. You got Jared Goff Who was facing off against a team that just sort of let him just go by the wayside uh-huh. so you have those motivations and he's and- going to say he's going to say all the right things that's that plays nothing in it there's yeah. no right and you know what i'm calling bs on him right now because you gotta know you're only human <laughs> these guys wrote you off right exactly and then you got dan campbell this guy that the country has fallen in love yeah. with with hard knocks and he comes up with these one-liners guy and here's another one this team's ready they've been through it all and uh they're battle-tested, they're scarred to perfection, and um, and we will be ready. Scarred to perfection, like they were seared just right, <laughs> right. for this moment. And the first playoff game of Ford Field, I mean, ugh, so I, exciting. I, I, I just wish that Sam Laporta wasn't quite so scarred. Yeah. Uh, we, I uh, wish this all came at a high price. D wasn't hyperextended, and I hope that, you know, 
if there's a second playoff game, he could play it in that. Yeah, we'll we'll find out. Well, we were talking to Lowe, and I told him all of the niceties that uh, you know Stafford was saying. He says, "But better believe he yeah. must have cut our heart out." <laughs> exactly, and he also said something else, which is this: now this Ford Field becomes, if not one of the toughest, the toughest building to play in in the NFL because of our fans, and you experienced that yesterday. I did, and you know, and the difference, I think, when you have teams that are winning teams, have won all the time, and, you, you know, their fans are there, and they're happy and everything, but this is different. We've been on the bottom side for such a long time, and now we're here, and the fans, it just makes our fans even more rabid, I think, Yeah, and that's why they're so loud. Agree. They deserve this. They do. Yeah. So it, it's it's it is a week of sports activity that Hollywood could not have scripted for a town like ours. It's so great. You know, I'm just so excited for everybody. This can be a. Great I think week. we'll win the Golden Globe next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. But will Kanye let us have I it? I don't know. <laughs> that's that's the question. Um, we do have at least a glimmer of hope that the government won't shut down. Uh, the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, sat down with Chuck Schumer, uh, got the makings of a budget deal, $1.6 trillion. Um, he is uh, holding a cap on, on domestic spending, allowing growth for military spending. I got to tell you, that all sounds great to me. He says they got hard-fought concessions on IRS spending. Also, unspent pandemic aid will be clawed back. So, uh, but his House Freedom Caucus brothers on the right say this is a total failure. So he's faced with, again, his more conservative faction. The guys that elected him, uh, he's supposedly one of them. Uh, they are not happy about this. We'll see where it leads. Uh, but he, 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 they've got to look at the, They only have a three-vote margin right now. Mm-hmm. Right. All it takes is two people to cross, and they're done. And they're done. Yeah. So um, there, there's, it, you would think those on the far right, the Matt Gates of the world, would have a little bit of a reality check here. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that isn't on this, and it should be at some point, is border security. And some on the, on the, on the hard right and some not so hard right are saying, look, we got to have that as part of this discussion. We can't wait just for the talk about Ukraine and Chinese funding. Or, excuse me, uh, uh, Israeli funding. We need to have it now. So we'll see where it goes. Meantime, you guys have taken down your trees. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's on the curb as we speak. There is a trend in the home decor world <laughs> that says you should keep your tree up. And I, I'm assuming they're talking about artificial trees because you don't want a fire hazard no, exactly. in, in the living room. But keeping your trees up all year long. And I got to tell you, what they have done with these trees for Valentine's Day, for July 4th, for St. Patrick's Day, for Mardi Gras, is amazing that you use this. And especially if you had kids or, in many cases, your grandkids, this becomes a focal point when they visit. I think uh, it could be cute, but lots of work. Yeah. Where, where do you store it all? That's my thing. <laughs> yeah. you got to have a room for all these ornaments and for all these And how much Mardi Gras decorations does one have Um, yeah yeah i gotta tell you the one for july 4th though it just knocks you out i mean it is a star-spangled evergreen here uh it's terrific and you know you kind of use it and we all have kind of those little shrine to the holidays maybe on a calendar or you know uh stuff on your fridge right this is a larger focal point in in your house that's it i'm willing to try it 
is Gail. No. <laughs> That's the question. That's what's more important. Exactly. <laughs> Blank no. <laughs> Uh yeah, can we just ask? She goes, "That's fine. You're the one that's taking it up and putting it, putting it up and taking it down." Um, then probably not in but your I wish, household. But I get it, that it's a cute idea. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, we'll we'll see if 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 this catches on. What's it, on after July Fourth too? What are you going to decorate? Uh, Labor, until- uh, Labor Day. Yeah, it kind of peters out after yeah. Labor Day, you know, doesn't it? I mean, a bunch you of wrenches get, and cars and in the, uh, hol- you got Halloween. <laughs> Oh, Halloween. Uh, yeah. yeah. Meantime, uh, it, it, I'm, we'll have to talk, but we're out of time. We'll talk about that a little bit later on as I head off to CES. But we did learn last week uh, on uh, Friday that the Supreme Court will take up the 14th Amendment case, Colorado kicking Donald Trump off the ballot. Um, what might the Supremes do? How narrow or how broadly can they go with this decision? And how far reaching will it be? Will it go beyond Colorado? Matthew Schneider, uh, who is our former U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan, joining us next on JR Morning at 819. There's nothing worse than having a leaky pipe, a flooded basement, or a hot water tank breakdown in your home or office and not knowing who to call. Well, I've been there, and a company I trust to help is Shelby Mechanical. They were out to my home just a couple weeks ago, diagnosed a few problems we had, and really put our minds at ease. They are a longtime preferred contractor of the Inside Outside Guys and a great family-owned business that has been in the plumbing industry since the 1980s. Shelby Mechanical is truly Metro Detroit's residential and commercial expert in plumbing, sewer, or drain problems for reasonable prices. Right now, you can get a Bradford White Infinity Series tankless water heater installed with zero interest for 12 months. Don't let plumbing, sewer, or drain problems clog up your time. To get same-day or next-day plumbing service, call Shelby Mechanical for your home or office at 586-726-9444. That's 586-726-9444 or visit shelbymechanical.net. That's shelbymechanical.net. For projects big and small, you know who to call. Shelby Mechanical for all your plumbing needs. One month from today, the Supreme Court will hear arguments about whether Donald Trump is at all eligible to appear on the Colorado primary ballot after that state's top court concluded that he did engage in insurrection and trying to overturn the 2020 election. Uh, And uh, that's under Section 3 of the Constitution's 14th Amendment, kind of a relic from the uh, Civil War era where they didn't want Confederate generals or officers serving uh, in the uh, in the American government. Um, Maine has followed suit. Other states are talking about it or the cases that are similar are at the uh, the lower uh, court stage. Uh, we bring in Matthew Schneider, leader of investigations uh, for white collar defense practice at Honigman Law, also the former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan to kind of deconstruct what's going to be argued here. Matthew, good morning. Good morning, Guy. Thank you for having me back. So uh, Trump in his petition to the Supreme Court says, look, I didn't engage in i didn't encourage an insurrection because i told the crowd to be peaceful and yet there were so many inflammatory tweets and statements prior to that his surrogates uh were certain he says you've got to fight like hell or you're you're going to lose your your country um do do those two words said twice mitigate the other things he said what will the what will the supremes be looking at Well, what they might be looking at is not exactly what Donald Trump is saying right there, because what was 
taken up in Colorado was whether or not he engaged in rebellion or insurrection. Trump there is saying he didn't engage in rebellion or insurrection. And what the Supreme Court could very well do is not even reach that question at all. They could decide, look, this is not ripe. The 14th Amendment, Section 3, says no person may hold office, not may run for office. This is about holding office. That hasn't taken place yet. And Trump, it could be, he could be elected, and then Congress, under this provision of the Constitution, could reverse that. They they can decide that that disabling provision doesn't apply. So it's entirely possible that the Supreme Court will issue an opinion that has nothing to do with the actual rebellion or insurrection, but it'll really be decided more on procedural grounds. And quite frankly, that happens all the time. Uh, I read a piece, Matthew, that said this issue shouldn't really be taken up by the courts, that there's this Congress provision written in there that at two thirds they can decide things. But it looks like they don't want to do that. Well, there's the Insurrection Act of, what, 48 that kind of addresses the intent of the 14th Amendment. That's right. And that argument about whether or not the courts should be even involved, that certainly will be at play here in Colorado. Clearly, the Supreme Court justices thought that they have the authority to do that. Now, this isn't the first time we've heard something like this. Remember when people were arguing and debating over Barack Obama's birth certificate and about what it said or what it didn't say? That wasn't resolved by the U.S. Supreme Court. That was a political question. And and people talked about John McCain because he was born in the canal zone. Was he actually born on U.S. soil? Well, that didn't have to get to the U.S. Supreme Court because that was called a political question decided by the political elected branches of office, and therefore it never made its way through the court system. And that'll be the same type of argument that you'll hear playing out in this case. Uh, Trump's defenders, even the Washington Post editorial board, they're quick to say that he hasn't been charged or convicted of insurrection, and so he's being denied process. But what's the precedent? I mean, haven't there been others who have been expelled uh, without a charge or a conviction? Well, sure. This has happened in the past, and Congress has invoked that override provision to to cancel that provision of the 14th Amendment. But where Trump's argument there is stronger isn't really about Colorado, because there was indeed a trial. It was in front of a judge. It wasn't a jury. There was a trial. But its argument is stronger about Maine, because in Maine, just the Secretary of State, one person decided Trump shouldn't be on the ballot. And Trump's team has a really good legal argument. There's no due process there. Mm -hmm. He didn't even get a chance to argue against that. And I think the Supreme Court and others are very sympathetic to the fact that Trump didn't get an opportunity to defend himself. And that's not the way it's supposed to work in the United States. Presuming that the uh, Supreme Court doesn't sidestep this, How much of all of this will hinge on the definition of insurrection and rebellion and and what it means to be engaged in one? I mean, the classic definition would be the taking up of arms. Um, He did a lot of things, uh, but Trump didn't command an army. He didn't command even a, a small militia. Yes, the question really is, is it's an insurrection or rebellion against what? And the Colorado people are arguing that's an insurrection or rebellion against the United States. Trump's team is saying that's really not what that says. The constitutional provision says it has to be an insurrection or a rebellion against the Constitution itself, and he didn't do that. That's what they're saying. Now, there's arguments that he did, but what is the insurrection or a rebellion against? That's really – that's the type of parsing that the Supreme Court will do with this language.
Matthew, how quickly can they make a decision? Because there's an issue in at least 12 states when it comes to Trump. That's a great point. They can do this very quickly. They've granted oral argument to be heard in one month, so that's on February 8th. They've got all their briefing done ahead of time. The the pivotal, pivotal point here is the Colorado Republican primary is March Third. That's just about a month after they hear oral argument. Now, the Colorado legislature, of course, could extend that date and change it, but the Supreme Court is very likely to decide this case within a few weeks. And that's not impossible because oftentimes they are able to make these decisions prior to having oral argument. They've got a really good handle on how they're going to come out on the cases even before the parties appear in the courtroom. Less than a minute left, though, Matthew. No matter what the Supremes do, is this not going to be viewed as a political question? And once again, uh, our, our top court getting involved in politics rather than just interpreting the law? Yeah, that's really what it's about. I mean, the pressure here is on Chief Justice Roberts. And the pressure is, are you going to allow a split six to three division along party lines? Or can you find some other way to reach agreement by saying that it's not ripe, like what I was saying before, by saying it's a political question so that you know there's some other makeup of the justices so that the American people don't look at this and say, this is nonsense. It's a bunch of political hacks deciding it on party lines. It's really what Chief Justice Roberts will be trying to do. So much at stake, both for the court uh, and the country. Uh, Matthew Schneider, thank you so much. Have a great week, sir. You too. Thank you. We know the Big Ten is tough, and uh, in basketball over the weekend, the Spartans' five-game winning streak came to an end at the hands of uh, Northwestern last night, falling 88-74. to Still so many things uh, to raise the hopes of the Spartan faithful, though. Tom Izzo, Michigan State men's head basketball coach, joining us along with WJR Sports analyst Steve Courtney. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Guy. Hello again, everyone. This conversation with Magnum T.I. brought to you by the Performance Remodeling Sweepstakes. Performance Remodeling, a preferred partner of the Inside Outside Guys, kicking off yet another $100,000 window of opportunity sweepstakes. Request your windows, roofing, and siding quote today. Log into windowsroofingsiding.com to enter Performance Remodeling Sweepstakes. Not to mention the hardworking men and women at Bill Brown Ford. Forward down the field, the W's are indeed stacking up. Yes, they have been. Winged Wheelers doing their thing. My good friend Matt Garko and his team are stacking wins each and every day. Drive with the champions at Bill Brown Ford. Shop their True View inventory at BillBrownFord.com today. Yeah, the Spartans in Evanston last night taking on the Wildcats of Northwestern, sporting a five-game win streak, and they came out battling. Tyson Walker doing what he does, hitting some threes in that first half. As a matter of fact, Spartans go on an 11-4 run. Uh, They had a 22-18 lead midway through the first half. As a matter of fact, this tilt all tied up, 24 apiece at the eight-minute mark. Then we fast forward. Uh, Lack of defense. The uh, Wildcats went on a 15-3 run to end the first half. They were up 46-31. Let's talk about it. Coach, how are you this morning? Appreciate you being with us. I know you got back late. Yeah, I'm good, guys. I got back Yeah, real late, but... uh... Nothing like waking up to you, Steve, and I, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm really disappointed. If, if I was to be blunt about it, I, uh, uh, you're right. We were, uh, actually with six minutes left and a half, we were 31-28, get a steal, and, um, you know, 
turn it over after a steal for a layup. We turn it over, they get a three, and then they get another three and another um, turnover and uh, six points, and then they hit one at the buzzer. And all of a sudden, a seven-point lead is uh, 14 or whatever it was at halftime. And we just didn't guard. Uh, we, If you look at the stats, they're bizarre. You know, we did out-rebounded them. We shot 47 from the three and 40. Eight from the two, and uh, but we didn't shoot very well from the line, and we just didn't guard, and we really didn't rebound, even though we out rebounded them. We didn't rebound the ball, and um, those are effort related things, and it's uh, doesn't sit very well this morning, put it that way. What was coach? Was it that the the team just collapsed, or was Northwestern just just that much better? They made they made shot after shot, and they just came off a. Of, game where they didn't make any shots uh you know we had a couple guys that had career games uh the last game didn't score a point i mean it was just a combination of things give them credit they played well uh, it was uh they really shot well it wasn't boo booey that got us he played well but it was a couple of their other guys and uh you know kind of surprising i mean we came off a big win uh we we practiced really well and of the game, I thought it was really good. We just, uh, as Steve said, when uh, there was seven, eight minutes left in the half, and it was tied, we just a couple things went wrong, and we uh, we we collapsed a little bit, and that's uh, that doesn't sit well with coaches, you know. I can I can take the other things, but uh, when our defense goes down, our turnovers. I mean, they were I think they were twenty-two to two in uh, points off turnovers. Yes. And, we only had 13, which isn't ridiculous, but they only had five. And uh, it was their lack of defense, lack of rebounding that really doomed us. Uh, Coach, you said that's not Spartan basketball. You were not thrilled at the podium, but you have to turn around, play Illinois on Thursday. Uh, the sophomore big that I've been asking you about, he's back, Jackson Kohler. So moving forward with him is a positive. Well, it is, but I think, you know, what happens when you lose is, uh, you know, no insult to you or our media, but everybody has. I mean, Jackson Kohler is a good player. He's going to help us, but uh, he's not the second coming. You know, it's it's uh, the guys that got to play well are the guys that, uh, you know, uh, AJ and Tyson who played pretty well and Malik. I mean, those are the guys that have to play well. We'll get something from somebody, somebody else here and there, but um, everybody goes how their mainstays go and, uh, we just didn't do the job. So, yeah, it'll help to have Jackson back. He'll, he'll uh, practice full goal, hopefully, today, if we can go today. And um, it doesn't seem to have any effect. He went three quarters, a couple of practices last week. But, uh, you know, that'll help. It's not going to uh, change how we guarded on the perimeter. That's for damn sure. This uh, game can humble you very quickly. Obviously, Coach, Malik has been on point of late. Uh, double digits um, have been the norm. Uh, last night held off the score sheet completely. No points, 0 for 4 from the floor, 0 from 1 from beyond the arc. Um, you talk about guys that need to produce, and that was kind of a shocker watching that game unfold last night. Yeah, well, it was a shocker watching it in person, too. And uh, the uh, probably the best stat is zero rebounds. I mean, it just uh, um, yeah, it was uh, 
it does it does humble you as a player. It humbles you as a coach, probably as a fan. But uh, you know, I'll stick with that. We got a good team. Um, it seems to be the norm. If you look around, everybody just seems to be up and down, and a disappointing, really disappointing here. But uh, that probably was as confusing of a stat. Since it just came off a 24 and eight game, but uh, it is what it is. You know, I got to coach better. They got to play better. Coach, we got a big national championship game today in football with the Wolverines. No one has faced more championship moments than you have. How do you prepare a bunch of young guys for that kind of moment on a on, on the biggest of stages? Well, you know, as I always do, I tell my players, uh, and I'll tell them again tonight, um, if you don't like the game, if you don't like football, that's fine. Just maybe watch all the uh, the human interest stories at the beginning, and I did that last weekend. And with both teams that won it, uh, a lot of things they had to say was the same, you know. Michigan's case, he's probably got his oldest team he's ever had, a bunch of seniors that have come back to uh, – that have been in the program three and four years and juniors and seniors and uh, admission, a lot like North Carolina did 15 years ago when we got beat in Detroit. You know, it was they all came back to win a championship. Yeah. You listen to uh, Pennick and the guys at uh, Washington, it's a similar story, and both coaches uh, made the comment that I make often, a player-coach team is when you know you got something special when a player is coaching it, and it seems like both teams have that. And I guess for the Big Ten, a Big Ten team's going to win the national championship. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Coach, all the best against the Fighting Illini coming up 9 o'clock tip Thursday night in Champaign-Urbana. Coach Brad Underwood has Illinois 11-3 and overall, 2-1 and in conference play, coming off the 83-78 loss to number one Purdue uh, last Friday night. Give them hell. I appreciate it. You all have a good day. All right. Good week, Coach. Coach, Thanks so much. Uh, When we come back, going to be uh, checking in uh, with the Michigan beat writer for the Detroit News uh, on the Michigan Wolverines. Who do you like tonight, Steve? You know what? It's going to be a tilt. We don't have time to uh, get into the complete breakdown, but uh, it's going to be a very interesting matchup. Obviously, Michigan with so much success running the football and Clearly, Michael Penix Jr. and this Washington team coming in with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, they've been underdogs like five straight ball games, and they've done nothing but one. And they come in with the best offensive line in college football. Certainly looking forward to it. All right. Good enough, Steve. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Thanks so much. All right. Enjoy the day, folks. All right. When we come back, as I said, we're talking to the beat writer uh, for the Detroit News uh, covering the Michigan Wolverines down in Houston. You know, I hear all the time from our inside-outside guys that, yeah, you want to be efficient in your home when it comes to home heating. You want to make sure you're safe, that there are no leaks or busted heat exchangers. They say don't underestimate the importance of air quality and how much it can affect your health during the winter months because we're all cooped up together, right? Well, my friends at CNC Heating and Air Conditioning are reminding me of it, too, and it really got me to thinking about my home's air filter and making sure that it was updated. My wife has swears she can tell when our filters need changing. Maybe yours does too. But it does more than just help us breathe easier. It makes the system more efficient, and it will make us healthier. And for 75 years, the Corian family at CNC Heating and Air Conditioning has been doing just that, making sure that 
Michiganders are healthy and safe in their homes. It's how they've become one of Michigan's most trusted heating and cooling companies because of their level of customer service. So stay warm, by all means cozy, stay safe, but also be healthy by getting that furnace tune-up and also taking advantage of the CNC Heating and Air Conditioning Carrier Cool Cash Savings event right now if you need a new carrier furnace. Call CNC Heating and Air Conditioning and get the process started at 1-800-MY-FURNACE. That's 800-693-8762. Get the survey, and if needed, you'll get installation tomorrow. That's how good these guys are. CNC Heating and Air Conditioning, cncheat.com, cncheat.com. Carrier, turn to the experts. What a nice end to the uh, World Junior Hockey Championships. U.S. beating Sweden 6-2 to two to win gold. I've never seen a group of young men belt out the national anthem louder than they did. It was like a chorus of Lloyd Jackson's after a Lions <laughs> touchdown. It, it was great to see them all lined up there and being so excited. Yeah, and I mean, what was, I think six of them have Michigan connections one way or another. Always. It's, it's a boatload yep. of, of, the, of that junior team. So nice moment there. Hopefully it'll be a similar moment tonight as the University of Michigan Wolverines take on the University of Washington Huskies. Um, this really is a match made in heaven in terms of a great defense on Michigan's side, a great offense uh, for the Huskies. We'll see who prevails. Angelique Changelis. Uh, watching it all out in Houston as the Michigan beat writer for the Detroit News. Angelique, good morning. Good morning. I almost said, wait, I'm, I think I'm still in Los Angeles. Wait, I, I, it's been such a crazy <laughs> couple of weeks. I'm not sure where I am. Did you come back right. to Ann Arbor Houston. and then go I to did come back to Ann Arbor and did some laundry and, and you know, flew back to uh, to Houston. So it's been a little nuts. Well, what do you think is going to happen tonight? It's certainly a great matchup with the number one passing offense, number one defense, both first time making an appearance in this game. What do you think? You know, I really, I think Michigan's game plan will be to run the ball, to make, you know, get get Blake Corrin the ball, get, get Khalil Mullings and Donovan Edwards and really try to control the clock and keep Michael Penix off the field and keep Michigan's defense off the field. But, you know, that's not going to happen. I mean, obviously, Penix is going to get on the field. And, and talking to the defensive players, they're like, you know, this guy is like the best quarterback they've seen. Obviously, their biggest test. But they feel like their pass rush, they feel like their their front seven has been so solid that they're going to be able to get pressure on him. He hasn't been sacked much, so they're not expecting to get him down on the ground. But they want to disrupt him enough to to fluster him and make it a little bit easier on the defensive backs. Cause it'll, it'll be a busy day for Will Johnson and, and, you know, we'll see how, how good those guys are. Cause they have not been tested that much this year. And Angelique, they have to, they have to get to Penix. They have to hit him. They have mm-hmm. to put pressure on him and do it early. And yes. And if yeah. they run blitzes, I mean, he could burn them with that arm. And, you know, talking to Jesse Minner, Michigan's defensive coordinator, I mean, he, he said, look, it's not like we just started studying him. You know, there were mm-hmm. four teams left. They'd already studied. They have a good game plan, he feels. And, and it is about just containing him, corralling him. And um, they, they feel really confident because of the fact that, especially this defensive line, it, it's so it, – the rotation is so significant. They've got nine guys, different body types, different different guys, especially in the middle – who um, do different things. So I, th- I think he's, he's got like some combinations that I, that I think he's ready to unleash 
on Penix. And, and I think everybody saw what Michigan did, especially in that first half against Jalen Milrow last week, Alabama, different, different kind of quarterback, but, but very effective sacking him five times. So again, I don't think they think, you know, I think talking to Mike Elson, the defensive line coach, they're like, he doesn't, he doesn't get sacked very much. And, and that's not the number they're looking for. They're looking for, they have their four pillars on defense and one of them is ball disruption. And I think that's what they're looking to do to him. There are like 44 or something like that seniors or uh, mm-hmm. advanced players on the Michigan team. Do you think experience matters in a game like this? I do. And and having been in the college football playoff the last three years, and yes, they lost the two previous years, but I think they learned a lot, Jamie, from that, that TCU loss last year. And, and, you know, I thought they, I thought they sounded a little overconfident and cocky going into that game. And, and, you know, that's not the only thing that cost them in the game, but it was something that contributed and I think this team has been much more measured. They're very confident in themselves, but they're not, they're not out there boasting about themselves. And, and I think that, um, you know, they, they have, they, they look at this, this Washington team and, and obviously it's a, it's a big offensive line, a Joe Moore award-winning group like Michigan was the last years. And they look at Michael Penix and he reminds them a lot of CJ Stroud. And I think they take the confidence into this game, what they did to Ohio state the last couple of years with, with Stroud. So and they feel good about their game plan, but they're not like they're they're not boasting about it. So I, I think they're 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 very measured going into this game. In terms of the wild card going into this game, Angelique, is it perhaps the Washington tight ends? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think they certainly could be very effective. Their running back has you know got some injury issues, a little dinged up. I mean, he's got a, a foot tape and a and a knee sleeve on. He re-injured those two injuries that, that had been hobbling him this season, he injured himself at the end of the Alabama. I mean, pardon me, the, uh, the, the game, why am I blanking on who they play Texas? <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's something that can be very effective. He's got some great receivers and um, you know, I think that that's, it's going to be a very big test for this defense. And that's why I think I go back to, it's, I think, ultimately going to be on the shoulders of Sharon Moore and, and the offense he calls. And, and are you going to see more of that kind of Penn State offense, not running the ball 32 straight times, but, but kind of that, that way, that approach, and, and really trying to just bleed the clock as much as possible to keep a guy like that off the field, Michael Penix. And if Michigan is, is going to try to run the ball and if Washington st- stops the run, will J.J. be able to, to make them pay for that? I think so. I mean, I, I think J.J., I know, you know, he didn't have the touchdown production heading into that Alabama game that people wanted to see from him. But, you know, he did have three touchdown passes against uh, against Alabama. You know, he can make throws. He, you know, he, he was not his, at his best last week against the Rose Bowl and, and found a way on the last drive to tie the game and then ultimately win in overtime. So, I, you know, he's – it's the thing Michigan does not have dynamic receivers. They have Roman Wilson, but they also have tight ends. Talking about tight ends, they have Colson Loveland. They have a guy, A.J. Barner, who transferred in from, from Indiana, mostly as a, as a blocking tight end, but, but he's got very good hands. So he does have options. He doesn't have the receiving option, options that Penix has, but they've been finding a way. And, you know, he's got to use his legs, too. I, I, don't, I didn't mean to leave him out of that. In, in terms of running approach against this defense, mm-hmm. because the Washington defense is is definitely susceptible. Big night, big. enjoy it. Angelique will read about it in the pages of the Detroit News. Uh, have fun tonight, even though I know it's going to be a late one for you. 
No, it'll be good. I feel for the tailgaters. The way, it's supposed to be like wind gusts of 45 miles an hour and rain, so it's going to be a little nuts for the fans, but uh, it should be a really entertaining evening. It sure should be. All right, take care. Team, on three, go blue. One, two, three, go, go, blue. go blue. That was not very heartfelt, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow at 6, live from Las Vegas.